here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice that John says sin and not sins of the world. Curious. Sin, not sins. Sin is often imagined as personal choices and wrongs rather than a social web of idolatry, alienation, and violence in which human stories and societies are shaped and often trapped. John, a Palestinian Jew living in occupied Roman imperial territory, was deeply aware of the empire's persistent presence and power. And it is said that the further away a colonized territory in the Roman Empire was from the city of Rome, the more statues of the emperor, the Caesar, were erected. Between statues and coins, one could not shop for groceries or enjoy a stroll without the without constantly seeing the emperor's face. And so when John sees Jesus, he identifies Jesus, not the emperor, as one who removes the burden not only of individual sins, but of social sin. The one who removes violence, impoverishment, and imperialism. There is some quality about Jesus, whether it was his words or gestures or stories I do not know, that John understands as being not only potentially liberating for the whole cosmos, but actively liberating even in the present time. Tomorrow, our nation will mark the 91st birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 52 years ago, in a speech given exactly a year before his own assassination, the Baptist minister from Georgia spoke in New York City's historic Riverside Church in opposition to the Vietnam War. While Dr. King is remembered today by many as a national hero and martyr, he never enjoyed widespread public support in his lifetime, having been killed at the age of 39. And any widespread support he might have enjoyed evaporated in that speech on April 4th, 1967. Dr. King, utilizing laser-like precision, hones in on what he called the giant triplets of social sin. Racism, extreme materialism, and militarism. Social sin incapable of being conquered in his words, quote, when machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, end quote. For Dr. King, a prophet not unlike John the Baptist, we are given this world 
and one another, not to dominate, but to tend to and to care for. And it is our joy to ensure, according to our various abilities and skills and resources, life and health, not just for ourselves and other humans, but for the whole creation. This centered for Dr. King and the one in whom John the Baptist called the Lamb of God. In this speech in question in 1967, he speaks of his 1964 Nobel Peace Prize as a sort of commissioning, a way the international community saw and rewarded not only his efforts, but the efforts of all involved in the Southern Freedom Movement. But even if the Nobel Peace Prize were not present, he said, I would yet have to live with the meaning of my commitment to the ministry of Jesus Christ. To me, the relationship of this ministry to the making of peace is so obvious that I sometimes marvel at those who ask me why I'm speaking against the war. Could it be that they do not know that the good news was meant for all? Have they forgotten that my ministry is in obedience to the one who loved his enemies so fully that he died for them? Can I threaten them with death or must I not share with them my life? End quote. Haunting words. Enlivening words. Candace Simpson, a friend of mine and herself, a Baptist minister, has said that prophets are so attuned to the present that they appear to tell the future. Prophets are so attuned to the present that they seem to tell the future. And that is what John the Baptist is. That is what Dr. King is. So attuned to the present, attuned to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not just in the future, but even now as the hungry are fed, exiles return home, families are reunited, relationships are healed, and houses of learning and prayer remain sanctuaries of compassion instead of morgues in the wake of mass violence. In Jesus, John sees the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who frees our imaginations from cycles of racism, materialism, and militarism, and plants within us instead visions of what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. Yes, shalom is Hebrew for peace, but it means much more than that. Shalom is when creation is at rest and flourishes and weary travelers have the shade and sustenance they need and plants and people and ecosystems are given the space they need to reach their fullest potential. Shalom, peace, God's wholeness in creation. And in this vision of shalom, this vision of peace, our prophets live on, not as martyrs cut down at an early age, but as wise storytellers 
who live on into their 80s and 90s and 100s. These wise storytellers who take us by the cheeks and say, here is the lamb. Here is the lamb. Amen.